Take off the blazer, loosen up the tie, step inside the booth. Mr. Monday's alive. You're listening to the Urban Business Roundtable. I'm your host, Curtis R. Monday. Give me a call live in the studio at 773-591-1690. That's 773-591-1690. We have a phenomenal show lined up for your day here on UBR. Coming up about 935, 935 or so, we got Mr. Malcolm Crawford. He's the founder and director of the Austin African American Business Network Association. Gonna be stopped by and talk to us about some great work that he's doing over there on the west side of Chicago in the Austin area. Coming up about 920 or so, we got Camille Weddington. She's the owner of the sweet original homemade cheesecake. And she'll stop by and talk to us about her entrepreneur journey and all her years in marketing and business and what she's doing in a new company. And coming up Coming up in a second, we're going to be joined by the CEO of the Chicago Urban League, Ms. Karen Freeman-Wilson. But the show is called the Urban Business Roundtable, folks. And if this is your first or your maiden voyage with the Urban Business Roundtable, the show is dedicated to the creation and growth of the urban entrepreneur and the small business owner. We got three primary goals here on UBR. One, we want to redefine the word urban and help the urban community leverage the purchase and power. Two, we want to be a resource for the creation, sustaining, and growth a small businesses and entrepreneurship. We want to be that plug, if you will. Uh, and three, we want to provide small business owners and entrepreneurs access to capital and opportunities to grow their business. That's why I'm excited about our first guest that's coming up because he's going to give some information uh, regarding an exciting program that's going to help our entrepreneurs just do just that, how to grow their businesses. Uh, you can listen to the Urban Business Roundtable live every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m., you can catch the condensed recap on Wednesdays at 8.30 a.m. And, and Thursdays at 6.05 p.m. If you're looking for me, call my office at 708-647-1005. That's 708-647-1005 to schedule your free insurance and financial reassessment. Let me help you structure your portfolio. Get that financial house in order. If you want to reach out to me on social media, that's Monday on IG. That's Curtis R. Monday on uh, Facebook. And be sure to pick up that book, The Game, How to Become a Successful Real Estate Investor at www.curtisrmonday.com. I mentioned to you last week, we have a new eight-week course uh, for The Game, teaching you how to real estate invest, three primary objectives with the course. One, to help you develop confidence in real estate investing. Two, to help you develop your own methodology on how to use real estate investing to build generational wealth. Three, you should be able to transact a safe, profitable piece of business, real estate transaction, investment transaction, after taking an eight-week course. We're only taking 15 students, guys. So call me at 708-505-7072. That's 708-505-7072. You know, since 1916, the Chicago Urban League, through collaborative community, corporate, and civic relationships, has helped people find jobs, um, they help them secure affordable housing, help them enhance their educational experiences, and as I love it, they've been helping the people grow their businesses. Uh, the Urban League are passionate advocates for economic uh, and racial equity for black Chicagoans, and I want to welcome to the roundtable this morning um, Ms. Karen Freeman-Wilson. She's the CEO of the Chicago Urban League, and she's here to, to chat with us this morning about a, a, a great relaunch of a very important initiative. Good morning to you, Karen. How you doing? Good morning to you, Brother Curtis. How are you? I can't complain, Karen. Wouldn't nobody listen to your boy if I tried to complain, so I won't. Tell me about it. Tell <laughs> me about it. I, can I just say I love what you're doing Thank with you. this Urban Business Roundtable and really promoting 
black businesses. This is huge. Thank you so much for that. And I, I appreciate that, Karen. I tell people all the time that I, I think that African-Americans have a unique disposition to be successful in entrepreneurship. If the rules are definable and the rules are fair and clear and we have a great product to work with or an idea we can run with, we can be successful. So it's in our DNA. So I'm happy that, you know, and I appreciate your comment and your, and your compliment. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. So, so f- we are excited. Go ahead. Yeah. I want to hear. We're excited. We're bringing back next one. Hey. And it's so consistent with everything you're doing and talking about because our whole premise is that um, there are many successful black businesses out there, even in the midst of a pandemic, they have a proven model. They have shown that they can generate revenue. But two of the challenges that they have are access to capital and access to customers, mm. uh, a wider customer base. And next one is designed to solve that issue. Uh, it started 10 years ago. It was started under then CEO Cheryl Jackson, and as we began to look at how do we uh, really deepen our efforts in the uh, whole space of reducing the racial wealth gap and dismantling institutional racism, we said we need to bring back next one so that we can help black folks grow their businesses in a way that they can pass it on from generation to generation. Absolutely. I mean, Canada, the, the, the timing couldn't be more appropriate. I mean, one of the things that, that COVID, the COVID pandemic has shown, uh, it's really put on blast the disproportionate impact it's had on people of color. Uh, and so we've been decimated. We're losing our jobs. And a lot of our small businesses uh, have really, really been hurt uh, during this last year and, and, and some change. So I couldn't think of a better opportunity to help small businesses be able to get back on track and be able to to uh, get in a position to get their businesses out there because we're the economic engines that help employ people who look like us within our community. Now, there may be people who are listening to me, small businesses who are interested in the program. Can you give us any idea what the qualifications are to be able to participate? So um, the threshold is that we have we need businesses who have been in business for at least five years, uh, at least two employees, annual revenue of at least two hundred and fifty thousand, but no more than four million because this is really for the folks who want to take it to the next level, and they have the potential and desire to grow and create jobs in the community. Sure. That's, those are the requirements. Uh, the application period is now. It's on our website. It's active, and they have to uh, submit their application by April 26th at 5 p.m. Now, Karen, I didn't hear you say the, the, the one of the biggest things to stop people from doing anything, money. What's the cost for the program? <laughs> there is no cost. We have been so fortunate. We have partners, AT&T, BMO Harris Bank, Boeing, Fifth Third Bank, McGrath Imports, PepsiCo. They are all kicking in, and as a result, there will be no cost. Absolutely. And, you know, I was really adamant about that. Um, you know, people said, well, folks need to invest in their own. 
in, normally you're right, but in the midst of a pandemic, when people are just scratching to survive, yeah, uh, we we need to offer this as a service to the community. And we've just had, in addition to the sponsors, so many incredible business partners, uh, the Kellogg School at Northwestern, the Polsky Center at the University of Chicago, uh, 1871, M-Hub, Hyatt, ITW, all of them have come together and uh, added their expertise, added their support, their volunteer tiers to really make this a class uh, class level program. So, Karen, let, let me put let me let me put my business cap. I'm a small business owner, and I, I'm in the midst of trying to keep my business afloat via COVID and working hard every day with employees and things of that nature. So, for me to to take time away from my business is is, is going to be a challenge for me. What can a business owner who successfully makes it through the the, the intake process expect on the back end uh, in terms of positive outcome, potential positive outcomes for their business? What's the upside for them? So access to capital, increased access to capital. Uh, There's a pitch contest where we will be awarding $50,000. So you have a chance at that and one in 15. So that's a lot better than the lottery and a lot better than casino. So, you know, because we're going to have 10 to 15 folks in the cohort. And, uh, And then we have mentoring and coaching that will allow you to grow your business. And it we're talking about one day a month. So yeah. I think it's worth it to make that investment. Absolutely. Karen, I, I wanna I wanna encourage you to A, uh stay prayed up and keep up the good work that you're doing and, and we'll be we'll be here as a support for you. And then two, let's continue to have some dialogue to see how we can support what you guys are doing because I want to hear some of these success stories of individuals who have uh, gone through the program and let them come back and talk about their journey of entrepreneurship. And then whatever you guys got cooking over there at the Urban League, we want to be a part of it. So let's you and I make sure we stay in contact with each other. Thank you so much. Absolutely, Curtis. I, that's a deal. All right. God bless you and your family. Happy Easter and be safe. Blessings to you and yours and, and happy Easter to you as well. Thank you. All right, have ma'am. A, have a great day and a you great too. show. Thank you. Right. Thank you very much. All right. The one and only Karen Freeman Wilson, CEO of the Chicago Urban League. That's phenomenal. I, I don't think what you guys uh, heard, you know, there's a program out there that's for small business owners, right? And it's truly by definition in terms of the, 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 the income requirements, it truly is for small business owners that you can actually go out to go and, and get some free consulting. That's what it really amounts to education. Now, a lot of times we have an idea in, when it comes to our businesses, uh, but we don't know how to make that idea come to fruition. Or I was talking to uh, a colleague recently and her frustration was her uh, inability to um, scale. You know, she's trying to figure out how do I scale my business? I got all these great ideas, but I don't know exactly how to get to the next level. And it can be frustrating for a lot of entrepreneurs. It can really be frustrating when you know you want to be able to take your business to the next level. So to know that there's a program out there uh, that's going to help small business owners to be able to to have access to capital um, and also access to increased customer base is critical. So if you're interested, go out there to the Chicago Urban League website Um Check out the information out there, and I want to encourage you to go ahead and do it. So thank you, Karen Freeman Wilson. We appreciate you. 
Uh, coming up at about 9.35, 9.40 or so here on the Urban Business Roundtable, we're going to have Mr. Malcolm Crawford. Again, he's the founder and director of the Austin African American Business Network Association. Going to talk to us about what he's doing out there on the west side of Chicago. So we appreciate his work out there. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we got Miss Camille Weddington. She's the owner of the Sweet Original Homemade Cheesecake. Uh, you listen to the Urban Business Roundtable. I'm your host, Curtis R. Monday. I'm not looking at you, dudes. I'm looking past you. You're listening to the Urban Business Roundtable. I'm your host, Curtis R. Monday. Call me live in the studio at 773-591-1690. That's 773-591-1690. Coming up about 935, we have Mr. Malcolm Crawford. I'm going to talk to us about what he's doing on the west side of Chicago. Hey, I want you guys to go out to the website, pick up the book, The Game, How to Become a Successful Real Estate Investor at www.curtisrmonday.com. You need a field manual if you're trying to build wealth through, through real estate. If you need a little bit more in-depth hand-holding, if you really want to get into the nuts and bolts of it and walk away with some sound fundamentals, I want you to sign up for the eight-week course uh, for The Game. It's going to start May 3rd. Uh, we'll teach you how to become more adept at real estate investing, teach you how to de- develop a game plan or framework for building generational wealth via real estate uh, call me 708-505-7072 that's 708-505-7072 uh, only taking 15 students we already got four spots signed up already in the last two days since we've um, announced it so uh, space is filling up so call me uh, our next guest uh, is an entrepreneur uh, and uh, and also an educator. She's the owner of the uh, the sweet uh, original homemade cheesecake. She's a marketing strategist and the founder of Out of the Box Promotions, which is a consulting agency which specializes in promotion, conceptualization, management, and execution. And she has over 20 years of experience in marketing for entertainment and consumer promotions. She works previously with an, uh, as an account and project manager for local and worldwide advertising agencies where she's managed corporate accounts. Some of her clients included Discover Card, a great company that I know, State Farm Insurance, <laughs> McDonald's, Oldsmobile's, and Short Bank. Our uh, next guest enjoys researching and sharing unique, cutting-edge, breakthrough, and gutsy products as she is a curator of fresh business news on her website. I want to say good morning to Camille Weddington. Good morning to you, Camille. How you doing? Good morning, Curtis. It's a pleasure to be on the show, and I've got that great book, The Game. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for your, for your support. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. You know, when I read your bio, I go, this person is a genius. <laughs> she knows everything about marketing. Oh, my gosh. She knows everything about marketing. And so I, I want you, we're going to talk about a lot of things, but I want you to, you know, help us as small, help our small business owners mm-hmm. um, really understand, like, the importance of, of marketing. Because a person can have a great product, Camille, but if it's not mm-hmm. presented out properly to the to, to the, the, the public, if it's not touching or using the proper conduits to get out there, it's all for naught. Why is marketing so important? You know, I stand on niche marketing. You know, but beyond that, you really have to know who your customer is. I'm telling you, if you don't know where they live, if you don't know even who they live with, how much they spend, you got to have the details in your hip pocket in order to have an advantage. You need to have a unique value proposition. And that's really the nuts and bolts of it. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, Camille, I'm fascinated with the, you know, I know this might be totally off topic, but I know that you're, you're educated, so you can probably vibe with me. I'm mm-hmm. fascinated by the impact that social media has had on 
um, mm-hmm. being able to get business directly to the consumer cheaply and effectively. There are a lot mm-hmm. of millennials out there who have mastered the art of marketing and using ads and things of that nature to, to mm-hmm. and really, really grow their business. Well, talk to us from your perspective, the impact that, that social media has had on, on, on businesses and their ability to market their products. Right. Well, you know, these millennials and not just millennials, but even some of the older generations, Curtis, they want to have a relationship with brands. You know, we just expect for customers to just throw their money at us and, and that's it, you know, cha-ching and we give them a receipt. But <laughs> it's got to be more than that because you won't have any long-term uh, pull when things hit. Like, you know, you were talking earlier about COVID-19 and the impact on on the business industry. And uh, I even call it, you know, the Black Lives Matter uh, movement and that impact that that had. If you don't have that relationship in place, you know, that can make you even more volatile. We already have enough uh, to go against as business people, as entrepreneurs. So yeah. social media helps you to build those relationships, you know, visually and in auditory. Yeah, ab- absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. you mentioned, too, you know, last last year was, was one for the ages. Um, but and we, and we had two major events that you kind of touched on right there, COVID-19 and the Black Lives Matter movement. From a, from mm-hmm. a business perspective, how, how has both of those movements impacted the black small business owner? Absolutely. Well, you know, Black Lives Matter, and I hate to mention it, George Floyd, that situation, and many, many others, uh, other people who were uh, victims of brutality, you know, when that happened and the movement began to to uh, uh, shift or raise the consciousness of the consumer, you know, that was an, an opportunity for businesses to really satisfy customers in a unique way. And of course, I'm talking about black businesses because we noticed as a company that people really wanted to buy specifically from us. Right. You know, it's like they went from not knowing the reality of things. Right. And then once they realized what was happening to black people and not just black people, but the black community and businesses, they took their dollars and put it toward that effort to fortify us. It was very specific. You know, so that's what happened to us. The phone was ringing off the hook. You know, people are asking for sweet original homemade Chicago cheesecake. You know, we had temporarily shut down because of COVID. Right. You know. But we re-upped in October, so let's go back to March when COVID hit. Uh, there was still yet another unique interest because, you know, consumer choices went to the wayside. Everything shut down, and people were scrambling, looking for the things that they really like, you know. And, and, Curtis, we're not talking about mass market stuff, you know, not just the essentials like toilet tissue right. and bread. You know, everybody needs that. But people were looking for cheesecake yeah, specifically. So all those niche things that people can't get, or at least those uh, those products that people uh, can afford, you know, pay a little extra for, they were looking for those things. Yeah. It, it, I mean, the, 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 the two points you made, one, this this increased emphasis on uh, supporting black businesses, I, I call it a, 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 per, a choice of conscience because, mm-hmm. you know, when it was really displayed, you know, the, 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 the vulgarness and the, and the, 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 the maliciousness that 
police were perpetrating against uh, defenseless black people in a lot of cases. And it, and it culminated with the George Floyd murder that, hey, you mm-hmm. know what, corporate America not only open up their hearts, they open up their checkbooks and say, how can we support you know, black people, and rightfully so. I mean, we should have been along all the time. We don't necessarily need the sympathy thing to to to, to support something that was already a, a strong product. But you know, I'll take mm-hmm. it. I won't. I won't trip, Camille. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but the other thing too is that you know we would we were sheltered in place, and so we we couldn't go anywhere. And, and you needed a little comfort because you're going crazy. The kids are running wild. Your spouse is making you getting on your nerves. You need comfort, and so mm-hmm. a nice slice of cheesecake will fit the bill. That it'll kind of help with that. So help me this, mm-hmm. help me with this. How did you go from educator, right, and consultant mm-hmm. to an actual um, business owner and make that plunge into entrepreneurship with, with your cheesecake company? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, this company started in 2016. Uh, at the time when I was working for Columbia College, I worked for Columbia uh, for about 19 years. And I just recently resigned back in February of this year. So it took a moment to make that transition. Uh, but when I did that, uh, my family and I, because it's a family-owned business, in, in 2016, we began to experiment, and we were looking to make a product that didn't exist in the marketplace. So what I did was, you know, I, we took our, our love of food because we're foodies, and I, I parlayed the things that I knew as you know from being a teacher. I taught entrepreneurship, digital business development, and you put all that into one, and you're able to build a product and a brand from that. So over the last five years or so, uh, we took time to work on our packaging, a unique recipe, and our marketing, like, you know, our website, social media. And so in a way, it prepared us for such a time as uh, 2020, you could say. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the the company, is it brick and mortar or is it online? It is brick and mortar for the first time as of October of 2020. Let me tell you, Curtis, uh, I never believed in the need for brick and mortar. I think it's overrated, and I think industry knows now, at least as of 2020, you don't need to be in a physical building to get your work done, to have a thriving business. You know, hence the the reason that most of us are at home working with a laptop. So we started off as a digital company in 2016, you know, solely online, you know, sweetfoods.com. And it was just us, just our family, and people would order from the website, and we would deliver it personally. So it was delivery only in 2016. And we did markets and stuff, you know, like the Randolph Street Market, some local outlets just to get the name out there. But we are just, like, really big on digital presence. And, uh, again, you don't need a brick and mortar, really, to produce a product uh, and to deliver it to the people. Yeah. What's been the most challenging part or aspect about starting your business? Yeah. The most challenging part, and I'm going to speak from the black perspective because, you know, that's what we're here to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it is uh, the perception uh, of the West Side and okay. the perception of black businesses. You know, uh, there's a particular notion that some some customers have about quality, about content about delivery. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, uh, it, it has to do with us coming from a particular area and just us being who we are as African-American people producing a product. And I think that typically, you know, um, it, it's a product that's produced by uh, large national companies. 
Sure. So it's like, who are you to say that you make the original homemade Chicago cheesecake? I don't believe it. So, you know, we've had to dispel that notion, you know, and I think we've proven that it's a pretty darn good cheesecake. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Well, well, look, we, 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 as a culture, man, we come from a, a culture rich of a lot of traditions and cooking is one of them. So who, who else better to make a, a, a good dessert, a good cheesecake than an African American owned <laughs> company? But you, I mean, you touched on, you know, the, the, the imagery and, and some of the, the, the conceptions or misconceptions, I'll call it about mm-hmm. African American businesses. You know, we have as, as African American entrepreneurs, there's this misconception that we're unprofessional. We have inferior products and inferior mm-hmm. services. And so we have to work twice, sometimes three times as hard as our, as our white counterparts to dispel mm-hmm. that in order to get support from our own community. Um, yeah. The, but the reality of it is, and I'm preaching to the choir with this one is that sometimes, uh, what what help what as an entrepreneur it, we we have great ideas if, if you gave us the resources that we needed to execute the plan we had in our mind the the vast majority of us would be successful would deliver a high quality mm-hmm. high service but the reality of it is is that we have limited resources to get our businesses off the ground so you got to work with what you have and truth be told I'll tell the truth sometimes that translates into us uh, maybe um, having to deal with and in terms of our labor force not the quite not the quite perfect candidate you know it's kind of like you got to work okay. with what you got like if i had enough money to be able to hire a candidate to pay him 80 grand uh, I, I would sometimes not to say the 80 mm-hmm. grand candidate is going to be better but sometimes you're, you're you're paying for what you can get and you got to be patient and got to develop this talent over time and it takes time to do it so mm-hmm. that's that's my politically correct way of saying be patient y'all I understand. I understand. And, you know, you mentioned Curtis working with what you have. You know, we call it the hustle and the grind. Yeah. You know, but let me tell you, the industry calls it pivoting. Okay. Really? Okay. Pivoting. You know, and and I was telling someone, because people ask, you know, how do we fare? How do we make it throughout the pandemic? And I said, well, you know what? It was business as usual for us because black businesses, they work in a pandemic already. There's already <laughs> yeah. a lack of resource. There's already you know, customers that you have to work doubly hard to retain and, and to convince. It was pandemic already. So it was business as usual. And we bootstrapped our business, you know. You know, for all the listeners who are not familiar with bootstrapping, it, it means that you take your own money yeah. and you run it. You know, we don't owe anyone. You know, now that we have brick and mortar, we have a lease, you know, but we don't have any loans. And and that helped us uh, to remain uh, viable even throughout the pandemic. We didn't owe anyone, so we didn't have payroll. We didn't have rent to pay at that time. So Absolutely. You know. Camille, for those individuals who want to know more about your business, support your business, and get some of that great cheesecake, where can they find you? Oh, let me tell you, it's sweetfoods.com. That's S-C-H-W-E-E-T, foods with an S, dot com. And we make the original homemade Chicago cheesecake. All right, all right. Camille, if you guys ever need some assistance with your insurance, look me up. Uh, I would love mm-hmm. to be able to work with you guys. And keep up the great work. I can't wait till I get out west to be able to try the cheesecake. Thanks, Curtis, and I love the way you said west side. West side? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Camille. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, man. Coming from, we got a West Side-centric flavor on the show today. Cause our next guest, Malcolm Carper, is out West, too. But, I mean, I'm born and raised on the South Side. And it was funny, my my first introduction to the West Side was uh, my, my college uh, sweetheart. 
and she lived on the west side. And, and two things stuck out to me on the west side. One, like, you know, on the south side, you lived 8401 Crandon, 7954 Carpenter, right? On the west side, it was like two streets, uh, Fulton and Lake. Parkside and like, like it was always two. I'm like, how the hell does anybody know where to go around this place? And then two, I don't care what nobody in the West Side says. There's no grass on the West Side. It's all concrete. Like I'm like, why is there so much concrete? Where is the grass? <laughs> Where's the grass on the West Side of Chicago? But no, nah, they're doing great things, Camille. We appreciate you. We'll take a break when we come back. I'm going to talk to Mr. Malcolm Crawford. He's also doing some great things on our West Side of Chicago. You listen to the Urban Business Roundtable. I'm Curtis Monday. Welcome back to the Urban Business Roundtable. I'm your host, Curtis R. Monday. Give me a call live in the studio at 773-591-1690. That's 773-591-1690. It is called The Game, How to Become a Successful Real Estate Investor, eight-week course. You're interested in learning how to use real estate as an investment to create generational wealth. If you want to develop your own paradigm via real estate, to build wealth for you and your family and to help support your in, your income and retirement, look up the course. Let's talk about it. Call me at 708-505-7072. That's 708-505-7072. You know, guys, there's been a significant amount of research which points to the western portion of Chicago Avenue as a future center of commercial development in the Austin neighborhood because it just seems to be the most stabilized. Now, this revelation is largely due to and thanks to Mr. Malcolm Crawford, who was working on revitalizing Chicago Avenue. Now, Mr. Crawford, he's the executive director of the Austin African-American Business Networking Association. Uh, and that organization worked with planning and development department back in 2013 to create a commercial thrive initiative called the Soul City Corridor, stretching along Chicago Avenue from Cicero Avenue west to Austin Boulevard. And now the zone is intended to serve as a cultural benchmark similar to what we see in Chinatown or Greektown, where residents and visitors may experience uh, the music and food that is unique to Austin's African-American population via small business development. I want to welcome to the roundtable this morning, Mr. Malcolm Crawford. Good morning to you, Mr. Crawford. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How you doing there, Brother Monday? I can't complain, Mr. Crawford, and, and I pray that you, family, and everyone you love in the universe is healthy and safe during this COVID-19 pandemic, sir. Yeah, I can't complain, man. We've been blessed. Right. We we lost a few along the way, but we, we're blessed, uh, you know, still looking forward. Just great things are happening, and so we won't complain. Absolutely, sir. Now, Malcolm, are, are you born and raised on the west side of Chicago? I'm born and raised on the west side, but I'm born. I was born on the near west side, around Ashland and Roosevelt. But um, about 20 years ago, I guess we we came. You know, most west siders go further west, and so I wind up landing in Austin about 20 20 years ago, and I just really loved it, and I and I just loved the possibilities of what could happen. So from that time to now, I went about the business of uh, just working and helping others to get to see that, you know, the beauty in our people, and at that time it was almost 100% African-American. And so we just knew that there was an opportunity here. And I tell anybody it took almost uh, 15 years for us to be an overnight success uh, and start doing this kind of work that people can see. Yeah. Now, I understand that that where people choose to live and raise families uh, is a preference. It's a personal preference. Um, I was born and raised in the south side of Chicago, but as I got older, I, 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 I 
tend to I've migrated out more in, in, the, in, the, in the suburbs. But I'm always fascinated and I'm always impressed and a little bit of envious of individuals who stay connected to the neighborhoods that they uh, were, were raised in. Help! How are you able to stay connected and to the point where you decide to make part of your life's work connected to the area where you grew up in? Well, the interesting thing about Austin is most people in Austin know each other. I, I call it Austin, Mississippi. <laughs> it, it's it's just really so funny when you talk to people and you mention particular uh, last names, and they'll say, "Oh, well, you come from uh, off of Walton." Oh, your fan. Oh, okay. Those are the ones from Parkside. Oh, that's the May family. Oh, those are girls from off of um, Massasoit. So that's kind of how Austin works. Or oh, we went to Collins High School together. We went to Manly together, and everybody is interconnected. Oh, that's so and so's daughter. So that's the thing that keeps you kind of moving around the West Side. Is that it's so many families of families, and. Um, you know, and so that's allowed us the opportunity to really, um, you know, uh, get the support of the community by it being just so connected. Right, right, right. You know, it's funny when I when I discovered about your your initiative in terms of what you're doing, it it's, it struck a chord with me because I there have been times that, you know, as I drive the city of Chicago and I go to different neighborhoods that when I come into Chinatown, it looks like it has an Asian influence. Right, it's distinctly. Chinatown and it's thriving with uh, Asian businesses and Asian culture and the foods and things of that nature and stores. Uh, there have been times that I've been driving in the city of Chicago and I've gone through Greek town and I see that the, the strong influence that the, the Greek community has had in that particular area of town. And so I always wondered, well, where's the, you know, the, the African-American <laughs> influence, you, you know, like, like, and I'm not just talking about, you know, the, crime and, and discontent i'm talking about areas that that uniquely speak to uh our culture our heritage and things of that nature so i'm i'm happy that you've you've you 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 saw that and taken that as a model what's been what's been the most challenging part about your journey to to get to that to that model well just getting people so so what happens most of the time is what i found is people always say well black people can't work together Black people can't work together. It isn't that we can't work together. It's more getting in a lane and staying in that lane. And so that's been the challenge, getting people to just pick a lane and stay in that lane and not try to do everything together. Because you don't want the doctor and the plumber working on you together. Right. But you want the plumber to do his job and the doctor to do his job. And so that has been the challenge is getting people to find a lane and work that lane. Got it. Got it. Got it. So give us a, give us a list, give our listening audience an idea of where you are right now with the development. How's everything been going? Oh man, it's phenomenal, man. I'm tell you, I, I'm just that guy growing up in the projects, everything that they told me that I shouldn't do, couldn't do and wouldn't do. I've always done. <laughs> and so this was another thing. When, when when I found out that there was no black business district anywhere in the country, and for that in the world, being over in, in Lagos, Nigeria, and there's a Chinatown in Lagos, Nigeria, but you don't have any place for black people. Right, wow. And so that being the case, we we worked, and, and, and the name came Soul City. 
And so we started talking about, okay, well, you got Chicago Avenue. We're on Chicago Avenue. It's the eighth most traveled bus route in the city. Uh, Austin still has about 80% African-American. The economic leakage to Oak Park is $150 million a year. So just by keeping our money on this side of the street, that's an automatic, you know, uh, uh, impact. And just we said, what better street to have a focus on in the city of Chicago than a street called Chicago Avenue? Right. It makes sense. Great marketing. (laughs) It makes perfectly good sense. And so uh, if you don't know Sweets Cheesecakes, we just did a beer. We call it a beer. We we did a beer at her event, and that's a, a black economic empowerment rally. And so we showed up last Saturday, and about 75 people came, and and uh, in about two and a half hours, we bought out. It wasn't nothing left. Wow. Yeah, so we we do those. We did one at her place. We, we've done as much as $3,000 in three hours at another business, so we keep up with that. We have uh, Batters and Berry actually coming to the 5900 block of Chicago Avenue. We have the Roasted Leaf Smoke Shop that just opened up in the 5900 block. That's another black family. We have TNC Fitness, where she does this uh, booty boot camp where, I mean, she gets thousands of people online and now will be in a brick and mortar on Chicago Avenue. We got Brown Soul Food coming in, and she has uh, live music. Soul Food Restaurant. We're really excited about the opportunity. We haven't inked the deal yet, but Majani uh, Soul Food, there's a good possibility they'll be opening up right here on Chicago Avenue. We're getting ready to do some development, 10 storefronts, fit uh, 36 units of housing over here on Chicago Avenue. Uh, what, $17 million in streetscape coming down Chicago Avenue. The Laramie State Bank building is, is about to be redone with uh, 70 units of housing. So it's just a good fit, a good time, and a good opportunity to be uh, in the city of Chicago. And we've labeled it an entertainment district. And so bringing in different types of blues, we got the Soul City Music Festival coming, Soul City Rib Fest. So we got a lot of stuff playing for Chicago Avenue. Man, that's that's great, and that's and that's awesome. And I'm, I'm, I'm very much excited. Qu- question. And, and then I, I definitely will, will, will let you go. Um, you know, like f- you, you see it with states, like let's say Indiana, to attract Illinois residents who may be disgruntled with higher taxes, they promote and say, come over to the state of Indiana because the, the, the taxes are lower. With you guys being right next door to, to Oak Park, <laughs> do you find yourself trying to, to entice people to, to spend money on this side uh, of, the, uh, of the street versus over there in, in, in the neighboring uh, city? Hey, man, I can tell you for me, my taxes for my house in Oak Park that I had was $15,000 a year. Okay. My house that I bought two blocks over here in Austin, where I live now, is $4,000 a year. Oh, wow. So you didn't have to entice me long <laughs> to get me to know that this and now with these amenities and these different things coming, where well, I can just walk right out the house. We actually getting ready. Forty Acres is getting ready to open up the first black-owned grocery store right here on Chicago Avenue. Okay. And so I'm gonna be able to go get my groceries, go listen to some music, go work out, go to the smoke shop, all all within a couple blocks in my neighborhood. It's just a it was just a no-brainer for me. So I'm I'm just excited 
about where we are and the opportunity to bring in tourists, to bring in other people, and just to have, like you say, people from the, 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 the south side to gravitate north, I mean gravitate west and just kind of see what's moving around, their people in their community, same thing, Oak Parkers, and everybody just landed in Seoul City. Absolutely. Malcolm, again, the work that you're doing is phenomenal. I want to make sure that, you know, some of these, I mean, we're all about entrepreneurship. We're all about trying to, to, to get the message about, about entrepreneurship out to the public and hear success stories about how people are able to do it and to support small businesses. So let's you and I stay in contact because as you get these new businesses onboarded and things of that nature, these are the people we want to talk to and, and be able to share their success stories. And so I'm going to ask to put you on hold. The engineer will give you my information. Reach out to me, lest you and I stay connected so we can, again, support what you're doing, brother. But keep up the great work. All right. Thank you, brother. And you, too. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Mr. Crawford. Mr. Malcolm Crawford, founder and director of the Austin African American Business Networking Association. I mean, look, listen, great people uh, on the show this morning, some phenomenal individuals who have uh, had some success stories from the Urban League with the uh, Project Next uh, initiative to uh, Ms. Weddington, and then also now Mr. Malcolm Crawford. We want to thank everyone who makes the Urban Business Roundtable go to our producers, Sonia Levine, and my man, Mighty Titus, and the ones and twos. We appreciate you. I want to say good morning to uh, the Ginger Boo, Carla Boy. Good morning to you. And then also, as you know, always, I don't do this for my first name. I do this for my last name. Chance Jordan Monday, Daddy loves you. Say what you want to about me, but I always know that I did it my way. God bless.